And I'm, I'm going to give you the idea of this. And uh, the staff, we were talking, we were praying, and there are some things that are very unique to Faith Chapel that if you're new in the last six months or the last year, that you're like, I hear these phrases, but I don't necessarily understand where they're coming from. And it's not because you're uneducated. It's just because we have like tribal language. How many have your own tribe? Am I right? And you, I, do you know that, I mean, politicians have politicians speak and churches tend to have church speak. And so we recognize at Faith Chapel that we kind of have some things that are, are very tribal to experiences that we've went through. Have you ever heard us say something like, one moment in his presence changes everything? Have you ever heard that? Or how about that our children are not too young? Or have you ever heard us say this? Our children don't receive a little Holy Spirit. They receive the same Holy Spirit. That, these are some of the foundational elements of who we are. And so we thought it would be important that from time to time to take a look at some of these foundations, the, the, the DNA, the cord that runs through Faith Chapel so that we're all moving forward together. And the way that we chose to do it was there's moments where there's like this one Sunday where a series ended and the next one's starting in a week and you have these odd Sundays and we're going to be putting foundation messages in every one of those so that from time to time, we're kind of reviewing our language. Now, beginning next week, we're starting a series called Love Strong. And it is going to, God is going to capture us in this series about his love, how his love flows to us, and his love flows through us. The last week of February, our friend Noel Kenny is flying in from Dublin, is going to be preaching. So that's going to be a fantastic day. I can't wait for that already. And then beginning in March, I do believe, people have been asking, I do believe that we're going to start the series called As in the Days of Noah. How many of you were here when I did that series years and years ago? And that was a culture-shaping moment for our church. And I really believe the Lord's saying, the new people that are a part, they need to hear this and receive this, you will discover how God's amazing love for the world was actually shown through the flood. And sometimes we don't initially see how that works together. And God's going to do that. It's going to be beautiful. But today we're going to talk about foundations. Now, how many were brought up going to church? A few people. Did anybody end up like in a youth group where you sat down with a bunch of people to have a meal and everybody at the table had their pinkies up? Did anybody, how many have no clue what I'm talking about? Okay, this was, I had never experienced this before. My family started going to Christian chapel when I was in eighth grade. And so we started going there. And on Sunday nights, the youth group would go out to eat. And so we always went to the same pizza place every time. That's always where they went. They put all the tables together and they would stretch the entire place. We had a large youth group and we'd all sit down and then we would yell across the table and end to end and we, total chaos, but we were together. But there was one moment of order. And the moment of order was after everybody ordered and they got their drinks and they sat down at the table, everybody waited until the last person was there and we prayed over the meal. It was the one thing that we always did. My first Sunday night, mom, dad, can I go? The youth group's invited me. They're going to bring me home, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can go. I go. I place my order. I sit at the table and I start looking around and I start noticing that all these pinkies are up. And they weren't even having a spot of tea. I mean, but all of their pinkies were up. And I'm, I'm like, what is going on? And I'm not, everybody has their pinky up. And I'm thinking to myself, what a bunch of morons, right? <laughs> How many know, though, that in that moment, you do what morons do? I'm like, what a bunch of morons. 
why would they do this, right? And then everybody, ah, <laughs> Brad, you get to pray. I'm like, what? You were the last person to put your pinky up. I'm like, what? It's pinky prayer. The last person to put their pinky up has to pray. I'm like, oh, man. And I hated that because, I, how many of you hated when you had to read aloud in school? Because you knew you were just going to blow it. You were you're like, do I say the or the? I, all of a sudden, I don't know how to pronounce anymore. The, 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 you know what I mean? And the same thing, I'm like, they're like, you got to pray. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm, I just knew I was going to mess it up. Buddha, we come to you. I, mean, I just knew somehow. I was, so I made sure from that moment forward, man, when I sat down, I was like doubly pinky blessed. There's no way this brother's praying in public from now on, right? And it, it was weird. It was odd. It was, it was kind of their culture. That church had been established for years, and that youth group had done that for years from one generation to the next. It's just the way that it was. Obviously, that was a little bit of a church cultural thing to see several of you raise your hands that you did the same thing, and I know we didn't go to Christian Chapel together, okay? So what are some of the things about Faith Chapel? I know they're odd things. I mean, we're not even, we, that, those are pretty obvious, but what are some of the things that God's given us in our DNA and our foundation that we understand that we want to make sure that we're moving forward together? Here's the first one that I have for you. Simply this. We are a church of his presence. We're a church of his presence, which leads to the question, well, Pastor Brad isn't church about Jesus, which leads to the answer, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. How many of you have ever been to Tarkio, Missouri? Okay. All right. How many of you have never heard of Tarkio, Missouri? All right, it's way up in the northwest corner. It's even north of Maryville. Uh, I, I don't even think that the Pony Express went by Tar Tarkio. It's way up there. And I was there doing a revival years ago, and the pastor said, hey, I'm involved in the Rotary, the local Rotary Club, and would you like to go with me to the Rotary, just trying to gain influence with some of the business leaders in the community? And I'd never been to a Rotary meeting. I'm like, sure, yeah, free donuts? I mean, how do you know? You'll go someplace for free donuts, right? So I go in, and the first thing they do is they have everybody stand, and then they go, we're going to sing our song. R-O-T-A-R-Y, that spells rotary. And I am like, what odd universe have I walked into that I am standing in public with business people spelling out in song rotary? This is insanity. Now, it kind of reminded me of how people that don't know the Lord might feel when they come into our house and we begin to worship the Lord, and we lift our hands to the Lord, they might be, but at least we're worshiping God. We're not singing about the rotary. I'm like, these people are freaks. All right, how many of you are members of the rotary? <laughs> not surprised. All right, not surprised at all. So I don't want to be a rotary club. I don't really want to be in a rotary club. I don't want Faith Chapel to be a place where we stand and sing, and there's no tangible presence. I don't want to be a place where we have a gathering and we go, well, that was encouraging. It just would have been nice if God was there. The word for church in, in the Greek is ekklesia, and it means the gathering of. Now, by the way, that used to be a generic word for any type of gathering. You could have a political ekklesia or a, or a sporting ekklesia, but 
the church was so known for gathering in the name of Jesus that they literally redefined the word and ecclesia was no longer used for other things. It was literally used for the church. They're like, there's the ecclesia, the people that are gathering in the name of Yeshua. They are praying. Signs and wonders are happening. Miracles are taking place. They're gathering together with an expectation of encounter from God, literally changed the meaning of a word. What was your expectation when you came in today? Hopefully he won't go long. Or I haven't made it in six weeks. I probably ought to make it today. I mean, what was our expectation? What was our motivation? I am here because I want to be a part of a group of people that realize as much as we love every guest that comes in the door, and as much as we love every family that's connected to the house, the divine guest, the one that is worthy of being divinely hosted, divinely honored, and divinely worshipped is the Alpha and Omega, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I'm here because I want to be connected to a group of people that more than anything want to host and honor his presence. It's about him. If he's not here, the miracles don't happen. If he's not here, the deliverances don't happen. If he's not here, freedom doesn't happen. I want him. Look at Moses in Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. He's already brought the people out of the land of Egypt. They've uh, passed through the Sea of Reeds. God's provided water from a rock. He's provided water from a place where it used to be bitter and he transformed it. God's already done all these amazing things and yet there's so much rebellion within their lives. Anybody else find out that you still are willing to rebel even though he's so amazing? Isn't it crazy how we'll do that? But they, they were doing that. And Moses recognized we have this horrible deficiency and we need everything that God has for us. And so he's having this encounter with God and he says, um, to the Lord, if, if the Lord says to him, I'm going to send an angel to go with you. Now, how many would enjoy walking through the school, uh, the halls of your public high school with an angel leading the way? People would be like, dude, leave that guy alone. Leave that girl alone. Everywhere she goes, there is an angel that is with her. That would, I mean, that would be pretty cool. I've got to go to one of those church business meetings and I walk in, they're like, there's Brad and his angel again. Every time he shows up, there's that angel you know, laboring on his behalf so he doesn't dash his foot against a stone. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, if God said, hey, Brad, I'm going to give you an angel, I'd be like, thank you. But that's not the way Moses was. Moses was like, I, I don't want an angel. I want your presence. How many know that an angel is settling? The hosts of heaven are settling. What can you compare to the one that is seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe fills the temple? If he's willing to go with you, wouldn't you rather have him than an angel? Right? So the Lord says, I'm, he replies, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't send me. It almost looks like he's looking for more reassurance. My presence will go with you. You promise, right? How many of you have ever walked down the stairs into a dark room with your child leading the way and they want to make sure that you're there every step of the way? You're behind me, right? You're with me, right? You're still there, right? We have to battle fears. Fear of the dark. Fear of the spirit of fear. All those things, they approach us, they hit us. There have been times in her life that Sophia says, you're there, right, Dad? There's been times. You know what? There's, that's perfectly okay. Yeah, I'm right here. I've got your back. 
We're going to face this together. And by the way, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to give you rest. You don't have to worry about this. You don't have to be restless about this. Dad's with you. You can rest as we go through this. And Moses is like, you're going to be with me, right? How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else would distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Oh my goodness, somebody left water up here. All right, what else, what else would distinguish us from all the other people on earth if your presence doesn't go with us? Let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a church service where you wondered if God was anywhere to be found? Okay, I'm not gonna ask the follow-up question as it happened here, because I hope that's not the case. But I remember a day when we had church, but we didn't have his presence. I remember it. I don't ever want to go back to that. Our world doesn't need more political activists, more Republican conservatives or left-wing Democrats. It doesn't need more gender identity forums, racism discussions. It needs more of the presence of the Lord. Because the problem is ultimately a sin problem. And we need the presence of Jesus because the presence of Jesus can take care of the racism issues. The presence of Jesus can take care of the political, I mean the presence of Jesus can do it. When the peace and presence of Jesus is released into the atmosphere, it changes everything. How much more when we gather in his name? How many believe in gifts of healing and believe in signs and wonders from the Lord? Okay, you realize that there's a large group of people that we're brothers and sisters with that are on their way to heaven that don't. They're wonderful, loving people, but they don't believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. And you all could say, uh, I was actually there when God raised uh, John Smith from the dead. You could tell the story of, I was at the altar when that deaf ears, girls were, uh, that deaf ears, girl, uh, ears were open. That deaf girl's ears were open. Have I preached two messages today or what? Okay. I was there when it happened. I was there when a lady was prayed for and she took a cast off her leg and she began to dance around the altar because the Lord had healed her. I was there when a visitor came and we didn't realize that her lifestyle had her wrapped up in bondage, nor did we know that she had been given two months to live because of cancer. And that when a team of ladies prayed over her and she fell in the Holy Spirit and she went home that night and when she woke up the next morning, there was black goo all over her pillow. Something had oozed out of her ear all night long. And when she went back to her doctor that next day and they did tests, they couldn't find any cancer in her body anywhere. And in less than two months, we stood out here on the patio and we baptized her and her three children because God saved her from death and then he saved her and gave her life and she declared a new life in Jesus Christ. Those things don't happen if there's no God here. It's not just happenstance and random luckiness. It's a commitment to hosting his presence. And I'm gonna go here and hopefully I can still get through the second point, but let me say this. I think too many times we try to develop a theology for unanswered prayers. I think we do. And then we begin to build a theology on our self circumstances and understanding rather than building our theology on the word. Here's one thing that I've learned about unanswered prayers. Here's one thing. 
if I am praying for the things that God tells me to pray about in his word that are on his heart, and if they're not being answered, then I need to have more understanding as to why. The Lord's obviously wanting to expose me to more revelation so that I know why. You know, there's only one time that I can find in the New Testament, and it's crazy, but only one time that when the disciples were doing the work of the kingdom of heaven, that what they set out to do didn't happen. Now, what's the kingdom of heaven? Preach the good news, heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out devils. How many of you know that's what the kingdom of heaven is? Over and over again, Jesus said, this is what you do. Freely you've received, freely give. Do these things over and over again. There's only one time that I can see that the disciples didn't have that happen. Does anybody remember where it was? Jesus was on a mountain with uh, Peter, James, and John. And while he was up there with them in that moment in an encounter with the father, somebody brought a demon-possessed boy to, to the other nine disciples. And when Jesus, how many remember this? And when Jesus got down there, they're, they're like, the father is like, I brought my, my son to, to your disciples and they weren't able to cast the demon out. And Jesus goes, oh, you unbelieving generation. Was he speaking to the man that brought his boy to be delivered because he believed? Or was he speaking to his disciples? His disciples. Now remember, in private, Jesus gave them some education. They're like, Lord, why couldn't we handle that? And he said, this kind comes out by what? Prayer and fasting. And yet, when Jesus drove out the Spirit, he didn't pray and fast. Isn't that interesting? It's not like he went and hung out with the Father for seven days without food and then came back and dealt with it. He dealt with it right away. He had already stored up what he could draw from. And if in prayer and fasting, you're storing up what you need, you can draw from it at any time. Now, that's the only time I see in the New Testament where the disciples specifically had an unanswered prayer regarding kingdom ministry, healing the sick, driving out demons, raising the dead, preaching the good news. But revelation was given to them. You need to live a life where you're in the presence of God so that you have something to draw from in those moments. So then that leads to another question. If we're praying for healing, if we're praying for resurrection, if we're praying for the, the, the proclamation of the gospel and we're not seeing the answers, why? Well, God obviously just wants us to pray more and have more spiritual discipline. God did not give us this command and give us this assignment for it not to be fulfilled. He wants it fulfilled. He freely gave it to us to fulfill it. So then, Lord, show me why. We need to grow in our discernment. We need to grow in the presence of the Lord. I want to be connected to a group of people that when something doesn't happen according to the way Scripture says it should happen, that we don't flip off the Lord in the sky and say, you failed me for the last time and I'm out of here. But rather we say, God, it is your will. I'm pressing in for more. Give me understanding so that heaven can invade earth. Come on now. We've got to have that. I don't want to develop a theology of unanswered prayer. I want to partner with the realities of the kingdom and see more of those answers given to us because it's what God has for us. It's what he said. It's what he promised. I want to be a church of his presence. Man, they had a tangible presence of God over them, a cloud by day, a fire by night. Now, I grew up in the West. I've always thought of that as almost mystical. Wow. Can you imagine seeing the fire of God over our service? Now, that would be cool. But you know what was even better? 
that the fire of God was over them at night when the desert was freezing. That the cloud was over them in the day when the sun was blazing. The glory of God gives us not just signs and wonders, but practical, tangible needs for our lives. And we get that by hosting God. Why would I want to be connected in a local house that doesn't host his presence and then ultimately I don't have anything to offer? I just, I just need somebody to talk to. I know that there's times that we need encouragement and fellowship, but sometimes people that are saying that, what they really need is deliverance. And you don't get deliverance from talking about it. You get deliverance from the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Isaiah chapter, or here's an observation. God will give you what you ask for. There is nothing better than asking for more of him. Nothing better. How I many he's already living in you, but you know you need more? Because there's an increase of his glory. There is always more of his glory that is available to us. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says this. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings like an eagle. They'll run and not grow tired. They'll walk and not become weary. Now, I've referred to this a lot lately. I referred to it last week in our Strength for Service Sunday. And wasn't that a blast last week? Did you enjoy honoring our first responders? That was just a beautiful time. And God has given us favor there. I'm actually connecting with the police chief this week. So maybe we've got a whole new opportunity to minister to our community. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Those that wait for the Lord... You guys know that's where we get the word for waiter or waitress. When I come into this house, I do want to serve you. I, I actually enjoy doing it. We've got volunteers that enjoy doing it, brewing you a latte at the cafe, people that are in the back investing into your children right now, even though I heard one just crash into the wall, but nonetheless, investing into your children right now, a worship team that comes out here and spends a lot of time practicing when nobody's around so that they can be ready just to help provide an atmosphere for you. We, we love serving you. It's part of it. But you know what? Not nearly as much as I love serving him. And when we come into this place and we say, hey, let's begin to worship together, it's not just so you'll feel better about your Sunday, but it's because he's worthy of worship. You know God's word says, shout to the Lord all the earth. How many don't like to shout? Unless you're really, really mad at your youngest. Okay? There are people, they're like, oh, I don't really like to shout. It's just not my temperament. I'm a little quieter than that. I'm shouting on the inside. Ah, right? How do know that shouting to the Lord wasn't an option? There are times that we shout to the Lord. There's great reasons. He says, sometimes he says, shout to the Lord because he's given you the city. Sometimes he says, shout to the Lord, and he sends a panic on your enemies, and demons take flight. Sometimes he says, shout to the Lord, and you receive a breakthrough in that moment that you don't even know what he did, but he did something. And it, and it, I, it might be harder for an introvert to partner with that. I'm sure it is. Just like it's harder for an extrovert to partner with, be still and know that I am God. How many grew up either in the Pentecostal or charismatic world? How many know they had a hard time with being still? I remember being in a service when I was a kid. The pastor said very clearly, I believe the Lord wants us to be silent before him, and he's going to speak to each of our hearts. Let's stand and be silent before him. And as soon as it got quiet, Brother Shundai got going. It got quiet, and he's like, oh, but, and he took off. 
And the pastor said, brother, 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 brother. He's like, shut up. It's like, it's a time for silence. Man, I remember going, dude, I would not want to be that guy. And then I remember thinking, he should have listened. He should, you'll get what you get, and you won't throw a fit. Can I get an amen? <laughs> the leadership was saying, we're going to be quiet. That was out of order. I'm not saying tongues and interpretation are out of order, but in a moment when it was supposed to be quiet, Mr. Extrovert needed to wait, because how many know that the scripture says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet? When people say, I just couldn't help myself. Actually, you can, because he partners with us. He partners with us, right? Are you walking with me today? Are you on this track with me? So I realize sometimes it's hard for extroverts to be quiet. I also realize sometimes it's hard for introverts to shout, but it's not an option. Hey, those of us that talk all the time, there are times we need to be still and know that he's God. And those of us that like to be still all the time, there are times you need to shout for your city. There are times you need to shout for your family. You need to shout in his presence and press in. Here's here's a thought. Here's an observation. We are committed to being spirit sensitive, more committed to being spirit sensitive than we are being seeker sensitive. I'm not even going to get to the second point. That's amazing. Have I rambled that much, Ben? Have I rambled that much? Yeah, okay, all right. We're more committed to being spirit-sensitive than seeker-sensitive. How many of you have ever heard of a seeker-sensitive church? You've heard that phrase. How many of you have never heard that phrase before? Okay, these are the things that fly around behind the scenes with church leadership these days, okay? We all get our magazines about what's supposed to happen, and then they always label the model. Anytime you have, are you a program-driven church? Are you a purpose-driven church? Are you a... Uh, are you a seeker-sensitive church? Well, what's seeker-sensitive? And you read it up. You read it. Okay, here's what a seeker-sensitive church is. A seeker-sensitive church is a church that is more concerned about the needs of those that don't know Christ that come in and doing everything possible to make them comfortable. That's a seeker-sensitive model. In some of those churches, you won't even hear the word sin mentioned because we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. Now, I don't know about you, but I've discovered that in God's word, there are times I'm made very uncomfortable because when I read through it, it reveals things about my life that needs to be changed, that needs to be corrected because God's doing a work within my life. Now, does that mean at Faith Chapel that we don't want to be visitor friendly or good hosts to our guests? Of course not. And if you're a first-time guest today, Beth already said it. We want you to stop by the Welcome Center. We want you to receive one of the gifts that we have. And I sure hope that our people have been friendly. I've noticed if you're sitting on this side, probably not as good for you. They're friendlier on this side today. So if it's been rough over there, give us another try. Come sit over here close to the Kinney's. It tends to go pretty well in that area, all right? So I hope people have been friendly. I hope that you went, man, the place was comfortable. I could see the screen. The words were big enough. I knew where the bathroom was. All of those things they tell me I'm supposed to worry about. I hope that we've taken care of that. But I'm going to be honest with you. You're not the divine guest today. Jesus is. Because if we host you well and we don't offend you and you leave happy, But if we don't host the presence of Jesus, 
then no change can take place. And ultimately, I've come to realize I need him because I need change to take place. If, <laughs> if I thought I had it all figured out, I wouldn't have even come here in the first place. I, I came here because I need help. And what I need isn't another five-step program and not just another guy saying I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I need his presence. I need his presence. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us? How would the Holy Spirit help have, have us to reach someone else that needs him? What's the Holy Spirit wanting to do? Okay. Last thing, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. This is a verse I'm going to close with. We're not going to get to the second point. And uh, did we, I don't think we taped the early service. So I don't even think we tape anymore. Do people use tape anymore? I don't think we, it was on a flash drive. Yeah, I don't think, we, all right. Revelation 3.20, this is what I'm going to close with. It says this, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I will come in. John, I appreciate you paying attention out there. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Who said this? Jesus. Who did he say it to? Okay. This was from Revelation when he wrote a letter to seven different churches and this particular church was the church of Laodicea. Okay, so this little excerpt came out of that letter to that church. How many of you have ever heard this verse referred to like during a time of salvation call at the altar? Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. He's knocking at the door of your heart. Have you ever heard that? Okay, I heard that. I grew up with that. I heard it all the time. That's not the context of the passage. The context was that he was speaking to a church. And the church needed to be willing to open the door and let Jesus come in. And I'm going to be even more specific than that. Not only was he speaking to the church, but he wrote the letter to the pastor of the church. If you read at the beginning of this, it actually says, to the angel of the church. To the angel of the church in Laodicea. That's the pastor. doesn't mean that I'm angelic. It means it was to the pastor. So what was he saying to his pastors? I'm outside your church wall. Open the door and let me in. Let me ask you this. Is it possible that we're having church all over the community today without Jesus being there? Is it possible that we've had church here at Faith Chapel without Jesus being here? If he's knocking on the door, I want him in. I want him in. I, here's, a, here's something I just think is a beautiful promise. He said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. In other words, it doesn't have to just be the pastor. It can be anyone. So if I'm blowing it, and I'm not hosting his presence, if you're willing to host his presence, he'll show up. If I'm willing to lead you in hosting his presence, he'll really show up. If all of us will go for his presence together, look out, O'Fallon, Missouri. Signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the word. Amen.